Today on the We Invested podcast, we have Chris Malta, an educator, author, and the owner of ChrisMalta.com, as well as WorldWideBrands.com. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm great, Wesley. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm I'm uh, happy that you joined the podcast, and uh, you know I'm excited to learn more. No, same here. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. And before we get started, man, would you just mind letting the people know how they can find you on the internet, you know, your website and and, and, and contact information? Sure, no problem. Uh, ChrisMalta.com, C-H-R-I-S-M-A-L-T-A.com. Uh, that every everything that they need or would want, you know, from my website or anything I do is going to be found through there. All my free information, you know, free uh, video series, free book, all that stuff. It's all there. Awesome, man. Awesome. So let's, you know, take it from the top, man, and talk a little bit about, you know, where you're from and where you grew up. Sure. I grew up in western New York, up near Lake Ontario. Um, great, but uh, <laughs> you get tired of the snow after a while. You know what I mean? Uh, it was, I, I was a kid, I grew up in eight-foot snowdrifts, and I, I lived there for 38 years. But I moved to Florida after that. Um, it was a good place to grow up. But uh, it just got a little bit cold after a while. That's all. Absolutely. Man, I have a friend. I think he's from, like, upstate New York. It's, like, by the Adirondacks or something. Yeah. And it's, like, negative 51 degrees up there right now. Or it was last <laughs> Friday. I'm like, yo, that's crazy. I know. I know. We used to go up to the Adirondacks every summer and camp for 10 days. Uh, it's beautiful up there. But wintertime, ooh. You know. <laughs> so, yeah. How would you say that growing up in Western New York kind of impacted your outlook on life and success? Well, the way I grew up was a little bit unique. Uh, I grew up in a business family. Okay, so everybody in my family owned a business. My even my parents even had their own separate companies. Um, my aunts, uncles, cousins. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. Uh, furniture stores, real estate brokers, um, boat and car and, and RV dealerships, restaurants, you know, everybody in my family had a business. So I grew up in that, you know, from basically day one. So by the time I was 15 years old, I had my first corporation going. Uh, my mother had to file it for me because I was too young. <laughs> um, you know, my, my mom was the queen of retail. My dad owned a construction company that built average of 350 new houses in seven states in the northeast you know and it's just everybody was always in business so i basically grew up in it uh i'm 62 now i've been in business 47 years wow man that's incredible so i mean do you feel like you know entrepreneurship and, and running your own companies and own businesses is something that you inherited or is it a skill that you had to like cultivate over time I think it's something that you have to cultivate over time. You have to learn and learning from somebody who knows what they're doing already is a huge plus. You know, I see a lot of people going out there trying to figure things out on their own, uh, you know, watching videos and, and reading things. Uh, if you have someone who can actually work with you that knows what they're doing, it's important. And I got that from family members, you know, when I was young, um, first business was uh in the clothing industry so i had an uncle who had really bad rheumatoid arthritis and couldn't button his own shirts you know and fasten his clothes anymore so the first business was buying clothing out of the new york city garment district and hiring a couple of people who would uh, sew velcro closures into them 
you know, put the buttons on the front wow. so it looked like they were still buttons, but sold Velcro closures. And this is 1975, you know, and uh, sold them, marketed them to retirement homes uh, like that. So did that for a few years. That was my first business. And from there, I owned a video production company for quite some time. Then uh, I owned a wholesale distribution company. Uh, started on the internet in 1992, when really all you could do at that point was the news groups, right? It was the old 9,600 Bob modems and uh, message boards. That was it, man. <laughs> I was marketing information on the message boards in 92. But all of these different things, along the way, you have to learn how they work. If you don't know everything about how your business works, you should not own a business. Mm. Very, very simple. Um, I went to school. I... Uh, Oh, geez, I went to three schools. I started at community college. I went to a big university in Boston. Then I went to business school in New York. But I can tell you this, um, education does not equal intelligence. Okay. And education and intelligence put together don't equal experience. Wow. Okay. So learning these things, it, I always tell people, I use a pizza shop example, right? Uh, if you're going to own a pizza shop, you not only better know how to find the location for the shop, you better know how to build the place out, you know, how to decorate it, how to run your, your um, you know, payment system, how to schedule employees, how to schedule deliveries, how to hire people, how to make a pizza, how to run the ovens, how to clean out the grease trap, okay? If you don't own know everything about how your business runs don't bother because you won't succeed um that's something that i learned from you know a couple of generations of business owners in my family and that's how it's been uh why it's been good to me absolutely man and i mean that's a great piece of advice because oftentimes people will jump into business jump into a new business idea but not have a full understanding or not even have a strong foundation of what it is that they're doing and so it seems like you know from what you're saying from that standpoint you're just setting yourself up for failure yeah that's exactly right uh according to i believe it's statista 65 percent of people in the united states want to or have tried to start their own business 65% and about 80% of those people who try to start a business online and about 97% of the people who try to start a business online fail. Only about 3% make it. And the biggest reason for that is all the junk that's out there. All the, uh, you know what it is? It's the quick riches. Honestly, it's people looking for something quick and easy. And there are a couple hundred con artists out there and tens of thousands of affiliates out there who will tell you, oh, yeah, it's quick and easy. You know, no problem. Just pay us for this, pay us for that, buy these tools and those apps and services, and then you'll make $50,000 in your third month. Right. But you won't. You never will. But it's an industry. I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry now. And all these people that go down those roads, it's not their fault. You know, because they don't have the experience. I mean, how do you gain experience in something you've never done, right? Uh, it was just like like me when I started out on the internet 30 years ago. We didn't know what we were doing. Nobody did because the internet was new. Right. 
It was, it was all brand new, all of it. I was there before Google. I was there before Yahoo. I was there before eBay, Amazon, and nobody knew. I, there were a few people across the country that we would connect on the news groups and talk to each other and try to figure out what was going on, you know? Um, go ahead, sorry. No, 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 absolutely. I mean, and that, that's a great segue into my next question, Um you know, in talking about the, the company that you've built and created today or, or one of them, one of the many. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what I want to ask is, what is ChrisMalta.com? It's primarily a site that helps try to keep people away from all the uh, all the pitfalls that are out there, all the rabbit holes you can fall down. Uh, there's, a, there's a podcast, there's a blog, there's, um, you know, my latest book, which is Ebiz Scams Revealed talks about all the you know, all the things that you can fall into that are going to hurt you there's a video series there um it's an 11 part series that and i'm not exaggerating when i tell people that that 11 part video series it's about three hours long will teach them more about e-commerce the realities of e-commerce than anything else they've ever done ever anywhere uh so that's basically what's at that site and so why was it important for you to provide this type of education and awareness to, um, you know, your, your readers and listeners and, and, and the people that follow what you do? It's the stories I've heard, the questions that I've gotten. When I started, uh, you mentioned Worldwide Brands. That is um, the 100% legitimate wholesale directory that can be used by people who sell online. Okay, so when they're looking for a wholesaler that's going to sell online, they have to have a source of products. And we've spent the last 24 years, literally every business day of the week of the year, um, researching wholesalers, talking to wholesalers, verifying they're willing to work with small companies, you know, home-based business and so on, right? And building that directory. So along the way, now when I started this, uh, if you uh, if you don't mind, I'll just go back to to where that that business started and how it started. Is that okay with you? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, right around 1998, I wrote an article for um, a publication called Web Pro News, and I already had a lot of experience working in wholesale and retail by that time. So I knew I knew that people were out there looking for wholesale companies that they could sell products for online. Right. This was a couple of years after Yahoo Store first came out. And everybody was able to start set up an e-commerce website for the first time. So I wrote an article detailing what I knew about working with wholesalers, you know, how to do it, how to contact them, how to talk to them, um, how to set up accounts. And they published it. And it was, I guess it was a big hit because they asked me to publish a follow-up. And when I wrote the follow-up, they put my email address out there and I got absolutely flooded with people emailing me asking me for my sources for my wholesale sources because nobody could find the wholesale sources at that time there was a paper publication that you could buy but 90 percent of it was junk so <laughs> i only i had maybe a dozen wholesalers and i said you know what uh fine i'll i'll sell this list of wholesalers for not 15 bucks or something like that and I did that, and then more people responded, and more and more people. So I started uh, incorporated worldwide brands right around 2000, and brought on you know researchers, and we started building it. And now we're at a point where we have um, over 8,000 
verified suppliers listed there who will work with home-based business representing about 17 million products right so along the way I spent a lot of time answering people's questions because it's what we did it was kind of a natural extension you know starting out in 92 and learning the internet as the internet learned itself right everybody everything was being invented at that point so you kind of had to just figure it all out and i used to get a lot of questions at worldwide brands how does this work how does that work so i started answering people's questions and posting articles and videos and stuff like that you know and we would hear a lot of horror stories from people a lot of people that got you know suckered into scams and lost a lot of money and all this other stuff so as i kept on doing that uh, i heard more and more stories uh, and it made me want to help as much as i could so uh, in 2009, I started doing what I called workshops. So on a Saturday, for example, I'd have 10 people come into a paid workshop. It wasn't much. We just paid a little bit for it. And, and I'd have 10 people in for seven hours, a live meeting, and talk about their businesses and answer all their questions. And I'd have 10 different people in on a Sunday. So I did them every Saturday and Sunday. Did that for nine years. And working through that, I heard a lot more horror stories. So all I kept hearing from these people was, you know, I bought into something that set up as amazing Amazon system or amazing eBay system or, you know, amazing this or that. And I lost $20,000 and I haven't made any money. And, you know, just hearing this over and over again, that it, it's just sickened me because I've done, a, I've made a lot of money in this business and it's been good to me. And I wanted to kind of give back and I got tired of hearing about people getting cheated. So that's when I really started building an education, the whole, the whole, all the stuff that I do now to help people stay away from all that. It's more of a passion for me, you know, uh, doing all Ab that. Absolutely, man. And just, I can only imagine the feeling that, the feeling that you were able to get once you received like that good feedback from putting out a blog post. I mean, in 1992, like the early 90s before you know we really even understood the full power of the internet and and the reach that it has i mean like what was that like for you once you made that discovery well when we started uh you know really moving along i mean the early 90s were you know were fairly slow everybody was learning what was going on yahoo store came around i think it was around 95 don't quote me on that but i think it was around 95 and that was the first time you could have an e-commerce store so of course i was right there in line you know, got an e-commerce store up and running, um, selling electronic dartboards and stuff like that. Did really well with that, built a couple more. Uh, but yeah, when you start to realize that people are responding to you, and especially with worldwide brands, as we did that, more and more and more people, um, probably, I don't know, probably 160,000 customers over the years with that yeah. business. Um, but it's really cool to see that, see that kind of thing come together and you know especially when you just feel like you're kind of alone out there and then all of a sudden all these people start to show up and they start passing your information around your name around and asking you questions and you put books out i've, I've published I, I don't know even how many books at this point mostly free ebooks but i know that i've been read by more than seven million people uh in that time and that's a cool feeling you know to know that you're out there and, and people are actually interested in what you have to say. Absolutely, man. So, you know, I just want to, I mean, I think 
e-commerce and, and, and online businesses is like a very attractive topic right now. It's a hot topic and everybody wants to figure out how to do it because you see so many people online sharing their success and it's like making it look easy. So it's like, man, is that really possible? Can I really do it? So I wanted to ask, you know, what's a realistic earnings expectation from an online business? Realistic expectations, I mean, they can go into the, it's just, there's no limit. There's really no limit. And the one thing that all those people out there that are, are you know, scamming people, the one thing they say that's true is that you can make an awful lot of money at it. Okay. But it's a big learning curve. You know, it's one of the things that hurts people the most is when they're told to hire out their processes. Okay, when people say get a VA, you know, get a virtual assistant in India or Philippines or something like that and pay them to do your work, pay somebody to build your website, pay somebody to do your marketing, pay somebody to do your SEO, you know, buy these automated tools to do everything for you. That's the biggest harm that's being done out there. That's what hurts people the most because then they don't bother to learn. I mean, the learning process, when I teach it, it takes time. You know, and I'm, I'm not, you know, that's one of the things I do is I teach e-commerce, but it takes time. I tell people that after they launch their site, when it's done right, and these are, I'm talking about people that I teach and mentor, okay? Once they launch the site that we work together and build, um, we expect two to three months for uh, the search engines to grab onto the, you know, the keywords and start ranking the site and getting it moved up uh, before you start seeing traffic and some sales coming in. And I don't like the people who make earnest money claims out there because you see all these bozos out there saying, you know, like I said earlier, $50,000 in your third month. And you, that's not true. But I, I'm comfortable making a conservative estimate and saying within 24 months of launch, within two years of launch, when it's done right, I expect people to buy to, to pass a six-figure net income and continue from there. Mm. the people that i know of that i've taught who make the most amount of money right now and i don't hold this out there as something everyone's going to do okay but when i work with people i work with them very closely and sometimes i get to know certain people a little bit better than others you know uh we don't track our students we don't say hey you know tell us how much money you make uh, it's none of our business and even if it was uh, they wouldn't do it but uh, i have gotten to know some of these people and the people that I know of who make the most money right now is a family that I worked with about nine years ago. And they do uh, an average of $15 million gross on their site a year. And they run at about a 48% profit margin. So it's probably around 7.2 million. Um, I know another guy in Georgia that does about 12 million. A guy in Utah does 800,000. Uh, and these are you know years in the making. Okay, they work very hard. Um, but I, I have no reason to think that anyone who takes their time, does it right, can't, can't reach a six figure income and just keep on going. So what does it cost to build a successful online business? It costs a lot less to do it right than it does to do it wrong. Um, believe it or not, because the people who are doing it wrong, they're they're getting into these these programs, okay, that they'll, they'll start you with, you know, 
I don't know, five or 600 bucks, you know, five or 600 bucks, you know, come to our, our video and do whatever thing and our webinars. And, and then they'll sell you on something that costs $5,000. And, you know, we're going to do this for you and do that for you. We're going to build your website. We're going to help you start your business. And then see, that is not intended to work. Honestly, it's not meant to work because they're not done selling you things yet. And if that worked and that's all you needed, then you wouldn't need to buy anything else. So that material is, is often it's misinformation and it's it's underinforming these people. And then when they get to the point where it's not working and they're saying, hey, this doesn't work, they're saying, oh, well, that's because you don't have the diamond program. You need that. And that's another $5,000. So people will do that. They'll actually follow into that because there's something in, in psychology and especially with the psychology of retail, it's called the sunk cost fallacy. It's the same reason that gamblers will chase a loss, okay? It's um, someone who's spent enough time and enough money on something, they will dump more time and money into it because they don't want to lose the initial investment. And these people out there, these scammers, they know this. So they'll keep pushing and they'll keep pushing. And when that second $5,000 thing doesn't work, then it's, well, you know, you just, you need help. You need a coach. So that's going to be ten or 15000 And I'm not kidding. Those are real numbers. Okay, that's what actually happens. So most of the people that I talk to, when people go to my site, they check out my video series, my free series, read my books, stuff like that. Uh, my cell phone number is on that website. It's a toll-free number. Nobody ever believes it's my cell phone. Serious. I tell them, this is my cell phone. Call me anytime. But people don't. When they do call, they say, oh, is it really you? And I say, yeah, it's me. It's my cell phone. So anyway, about 80% of the people who call me have already lost anywhere from fifteen dollars to $40,000 by the time we talk in three, four, five years worth of time. You know, when realistically, for just for a far, far smaller amount of money, they could actually learn the business and build it right. It just takes a little more time and energy to do it. Absolutely, man. So is, it, is, there, is there a specific price range or like budget range that you see in that you see um you know from a successful business versus a a not successful business like is there a certain price okay you need at least seven hundred dollars or seven thousand dollars to get started and 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 just have a real business like have you been able to associate a certain budget or price range with it yeah i would say that it, that if someone had i don't know i would call it maybe 3500 bucks you know, all in for the first 18 months or so, mm -hmm. that would be enough to get them going, to get them, to get it done right and to get it up and running. And which, you know, I, I talk about this in my video series. I mean, it's about 10% of what most people spend to do it wrong when they follow all the bad guys and end up spending 35000 you know? So, you know, just throughout your time and seeing these different online businesses and, and these different things, is there a specific market or a specific product that you've noticed that works the best and, or is the most effective? The most effective market is always going to be a website. People talk about Amazon all the time. They talk about eBay all the time. Uh, the reality with Amazon, and I don't just say this because it's what I think, or because I read a blog post somewhere, I actually know people at Amazon. I've worked face-to-face -face with an Amazon vice president and upper management. Uh, 
you know, who came here to Florida to work with us years ago. Um, so I know these companies. I've been around for 30 years in this business. So when I talk about this, I'm, I'm very serious about it. Amazon was really never intended for small sellers. It is an amazing logistical machine for large companies. Okay, so what Amazon really wants to see, they want to see a tractor trailer load of, uh, say, I don't know, two slice white Cuisinart toasters back up to a loading dock and offload like 5,000 of those toasters, right? Mm -hmm. And every time a pallet comes off the truck, they slap a shipping label on it, send that pallet back out the door to another distribution center so that they can cover, you know, as much of the country as they can so that they can handle their overnight shipping and their same day shipping, which is what Jeff Bezos wants them to do, okay? Then when you, when you look at taking that really fine-tuned logistics machine that runs mostly on wholesalers and manufacturers, and you factor in tens of thousands of individual home-based sellers that are sending 20 or 30 or 40 or 100, you know, mixed products into Amazon. Okay, Amazon doesn't know what to do with that. It throws a wrench into the machine. So then they have to spend all that time figuring out, okay, does this thing have a UPC code? If not, we got to develop an ASIN code. Where do we put it? Because we can't, it's not enough product to send out there to different distribution centers so we can do same day overnight shipping. So, you know, we got to put it in a central location, which gets very, very messy logistically. Okay. So Amazon, from what I understand, okay, and I can't say this definitively because I don't work at Amazon. But um, I'm strongly convinced that what Amazon does is their algorithm watches the small sellers and basically uses them as research. Okay, so when a small seller does something that actually works on Amazon, and by works, I mean maybe 10, 11% profit margin, because the standard profit margin on Amazon runs around 3 to 4%. And the reason for that is because that's where wholesalers live. Okay, having owned a wholesale company myself, I can tell you for a fact that three to four percent is good for wholesale is good for manufacturing because it's a high volume business right so uh but it's not good for individuals for small businesses i mean you can't live on that you, you need 20 percent to survive you need 35 percent plus for growth okay but uh what they what i believe they do is in their algorithm they're watching the small sellers they're using them as test subjects so that if they actually do hit something good Amazon can swoop in and take it over. You know, they'll just take it. They'll say, okay, well, we'll call him a wholesaler. We'll get a bunch of this stuff in here. We'll knock this person down to the bottom of the search engine and Amazon, kick him out of the buy box and we'll take it over. And uh, that's not a scam. And it's, they can do that. And it's their business. It's their website, right? It's their machine. They can do that. But the small sellers play by a whole different set of rules than the big companies do. Uh, which is, I guess, as it should be for Amazon, you know, that's the way the company runs. It, it's, there's nothing wrong with that, except for the fact that too many people are fooled into thinking they're going to make a tremendous amount of money selling on Amazon. So that is not a viable business method. Okay. Um, the other big one everybody talks about is eBay. eBay was a great place to make money up until about 2009 or so. Uh, I worked very closely with them. I worked with one of their vice presidents in, in her group out there. I used to go out to San Jose, their place in California, um, all the time. 
I was on their radio show all the time. I was their product sourcing editor on the radio show. Um, I did a lot of work. They actually asked me to write a book about them in 2006, and I did. And it was published by McGraw-Hill. It's still in the in the bookstores. So, again, I worked very closely with them. I used to speak at their national conventions every year. So in 2006, I believe it was in Vegas at Mandalay Bay, their convention. And while I was there, I got a chance to meet Meg Whitman, who was the CEO of eBay at the time. Uh, really smart lady. Really smart. I mean, she did all the good things for eBay. She did the the, um, the eBay Bible, the outreach programs, the training programs, the, the convention, you know, all the stuff that was going on that was good at that time was her. And that at that time was people selling to people, which is what eBay was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But when she left in 2009, what seems to have happened is the new management that came in that reorganized, it seemed to me that they were eyeballing Amazon really hard and saying, hey, look at all this money Amazon's making working with wholesalers and manufacturers. Okay, So since that time, there have been more and more and more and more wholesalers and manufacturers coming onto eBay basically uh, appear to be using names that don't identify themselves as companies. They look like individuals. Okay, so now, instead of people selling to people, it's wholesaling and manufacturing companies selling to people, and individual sellers cannot compete with their pricing. Again, you're looking at 3 to 4%. So more and more people have dropped out of eBay. Even the people I knew who were eBay trainers and very good trainers, people like Skip McGrath and Janelle Elms and some others that, uh, you know, were, were big deals at the time. Uh, they dropped out. They, they said, no, this eBay fell out from under them. They no longer do it. So eBay, Amazon, no. Your own website is always the best way because you control the business. You run that business. You own it. If you know how to run it, you don't have any problems. Nobody can tell you what to do. Nobody can stop you from selling anything. You know, that's always going to be the best option. Absolutely, man. And, you know, just kind of speaking more towards the websites and, and towards people that that do own their own um, online e-commerce stores or e-commerce businesses, what would you say are some of the common themes that you recognized, um, you know, with successful e-business or e-commerce platforms? Well, the platforms themselves, they're just platforms, right? I mean, you have Shopify, you've got Big Commerce, Volusion, 3D Cart, GoDaddy, all the whole bunch of them out there. They're just platforms. It uh, It's what people do with them that's important. And... Unfortunately, the platforms themselves are steering people in directions that they shouldn't go. And I know you're looking for some positive information here, and I promise you I'll get to it, okay? I am just just want to make sure people understand what to watch out for as well. So I put out a blog post not too long ago. Uh, it was kind of a video blog. It's called um, Shopify Does It Backwards, and Here's Why. And this is what all of these big platforms do. They do it on purpose. Keep in mind, Shopify, technically, it's an excellent platform. Okay, Google actually likes Shopify. It prefers Shopify over a lot of other platforms because its coding is designed really well. So behind the scenes, 
It's basically built in HTML, CSS with a little bit of JavaScript and then wrapped in something they call the liquid engine, which is their proprietary, you know, software. But uh, it's still just HTML and CSS. It's very easy to work with, to manipulate and so on. Google does not like, and by the, by the way, we talk about Google all the time because Google owns 95% plus of the search market. Okay. So um, Google does not like a website that takes 15 lines of code to do something you could do in three lines of code. So Shopify is very good at that. Very, very streamlined code. So it's better received by a search engine. So technically, excellent platform. The issue that I have with not just Shopify, but with all these companies is they tell you, uh, grab a free trial. You know, you want to make some money, get a free trial. Give us your credit card. We won't charge it for 30 days. Um, and here's, by the way, here's some wholesalers. Here's some wholesalers. And for a long time, Shopify was pushing people toward AliExpress, which is Chinese drop shipping. I mean, that's like jumping off a cliff with a rock tied to your leg. Okay. It's just not something you want to do. But they were saying, okay, here are all these wholesalers you can use. So put some stuff up on the website and hey, there you go. Grab one of our templates. Um, unfortunately, no, that's not true. The website is always the last thing you do, not the first. The first thing you do is research. You need to know that the product you're going to sell is going to work. Then you need keyword research, demographic research. You need to understand how to put the marketing together, the content writing. You need to understand how graphics are going to work. You need to understand analytics. You need to lay out and design a website that the people who buy the most of that product are going to respond to. Because different demographics, different groups of people respond to marketing differently. And if you don't know who buys the most of your product, you don't know how to show it to them. Wow. Okay, so just putting up a template and saying, here, here's a bunch of stuff. Hey, first off, a website has got to be focused on one thing and one thing only. In 2011, Google released their Panda update, which was their introduction of what they call deep learning artificial intelligence. And that's a heuristic algorithm. It learns as it processes searches. Okay, so before 2011, Google was a noun comparison engine. It just looked for nouns, words that describe a person, a place, or a thing. Okay, and that's all it looked for. So you could put just tons of nouns all over your pages and you could have all kinds of different things on your site, right? Bowling balls and baby shoes and hats and, you know, and your, your pages could individually rank on their own. But now with artificial intelligence and processing, what, 30 billion searches a day, I believe it is, uh, that algorithm has been learning since 2011. And now it understands not just nouns, but pronouns, adverbs, adjectives. It knows what interrogatives are, so it understands questions. It knows context. So if I use the word apple in a paragraph, am I referring to the fruit or the computer company? The search engine now knows to look around the surrounding paragraphs and figure that out. Okay. So it's learned much, much more about how we communicate. So now... It's looking for authoritative sources of information, like looking for a book in a library. You know, when you see books in the library, they're about one subject. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So a website has to be about one subject because that's what the search engines want. So you can't just throw random products on a site. 
it's not going to work. The search engine looks at that and says, we don't know what you're talking about. You know, baseball bats don't belong with bowling shoes. That doesn't make any sense. So it never ranks. Okay, so they know that. These big companies know that. So they say, okay, well, if you have any problems, talk to our product specialists and we'll help you. Their product specialists are salespeople. The salespeople will start selling them all kinds of tools and apps and services that they don't need. Okay, this is how a company like Shopify makes $3 billion last year selling $29 web platforms a month, right? Okay, and hey, look, you know, it's not a scam. It's not illegal. It's their business model. It's the same business model that all the big companies use, but it isn't all that friendly to people who try to use it. You know, so, you know what? I, I got so uh, sidetracked, Wesley. I didn't, I, I forgot your original question. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, no, you, you're definitely providing us with some good information right now, some good tips and things to keep in mind when building, you know, online businesses and e-commerce um, shops. But, you know, another question that I wanted to ask and kind of get an understanding of is, website traffic you know yes. how, how would you how would you you know help someone improve the traffic and the the eyes that get on their or the eyes on their websites and on their their uh, e-commerce businesses okay so the first thing to look at and i get this question a lot you know people ask me this um i do uh, i do free zoom meetings every night you know seven days a week when people can just come in and ask any questions they want and that's on the website too. So I do these free Zoom meetings and people ask me that. Here's my website. You know, what do I do? Um, unfortunately, if the website isn't built the right way from the very beginning, there is not much you can do. Okay. If when, when Google, when you first launch your website, Google is going to come around and it's going to index that website, meaning it's going to read everything on the site, every word. And it's going to look for keyword phrases. It'll look for phrases that tell it what your site is about. So if all of your keywords, like if you're selling only bowling shoes, okay, that's all you're selling, and you've done your keyword research properly, and you've done your SEO properly, that first indexing that you get from Google is going to be a positive indexing. And that's really important. That's the first impression you make on Google. Another reason that you can't just launch a website, you know, just throw it out there is because you also have to have the social media up and ready to go at the same time. You don't want to leave any dead ends that Google can't follow. Okay. So the first indexing is very important. Now, after that, they're going to come around and index you again. But if they don't understand your site the first time, if you're selling too many different things and it's confusing and Google is saying, no, these things don't belong with each other, that's a negative indexing. And a negative indexing is weighted far more heavily than a positive index. So, and I'm just making numbers up here, okay? But if, for example, if a positive indexing was worth one point, you know, a negative indexing could be worth minus 200 points. Okay, that's, that's I'm, I'm just making up those numbers. But if you get a couple of positive indexings right at the beginning, or I'm sorry, negative indexings near the beginning, you, you can't really turn that ship around. You know, it's like the Titanic, too big a ship going too fast with too small a rudder. And unfortunately, what I have to tell most people after analyzing their sites is they got to junk it and start over. You know, so bringing traffic to a site is about 
careful research. It's about understanding what keywords belong with your product line. It's about knowing that you need to put one product line on that site, one product line only. It's about the way that you do your marketing. You know, you need to place an article on that site uh, a couple of times a week. The article can be edited down a little bit and become a blog post. You can take parts of that blog post and turn them into a Facebook post. Parts of the Facebook post can become a tweet and so on. The marketing itself isn't that hard. Um, paid advertising is a waste of money in my, my opinion. Okay, it's gotten far too expensive with far too small a return. People most of the time spend more advertising dollars than they actually make money. Um, but when an e-commerce site hasn't been built the right way from the start, it's it's nearly impossible to turn that thing around. You're better off to start over. And that's where the sunk cost fallacy comes in. That's where people look at that and say, oh, I spent so much time and money doing that. I can't just junk it and start over. So they put more money, they start paying for advertising and they lose more money and more money. Um, I wish it was a better story than that, Wesley, but you know, that's, that's a fact. I mean, if you don't start out the right way, if you don't have it done right when it's launched, then you're, uh, you're in the hole from the beginning. How important is email marketing and creating these email lists? Email lists, you know, we've looked at a lot of email lists and we've worked with email lists. We have a large one with worldwide brands. I have an email list with my site. Um, for me, emails are more about follow-ups. Cold emails are not that great an idea. Because if you're going to set yourself up with something like, say, a Weber, okay, which is a big email or constant contact or one of the big providers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you have to build those email lists generically. They don't like it when you have too many emails on that list that are unresponsive, too many that are complaining, okay? Complaint rates need to be very, very low on those things, like, you know, 0.001% or 0.1%. Um, if you have a list that you bought, for example, this is one of the biggest problems people have is they buy lists from these companies that are out there who are selling those same lists to 10,000 other people, right? So you put that list on your your AWeber or your Constant Contact platform, which you're not supposed to do. They don't allow it, but people sneak them past anyway. And then you launch that list, maybe call it 10,000 for a small start, and you end up with 10% that are undeliverable, and you end up with 6 or 7% complaint rate. You could lose your account with the email provider. Okay, so... People use these uh, these lead-ins all the time you know, to try to get people to sign up for something. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the best way to do it, the best way to build an email list is to actually get a site built properly, get it out there, and then offer something on that site that people give you their email address for. So if you're selling, I don't know, dog beds, okay, on your website, you might want to offer, you know, a, a short, a, maybe a short ebook or, you know, a, an article or something like that that tells people how to uh, pick the right bed for dogs that have maybe problems like hip dysplasia or something like that, right? Uh, that kind of thing is valuable to somebody and they'll sign up for it. And then even if they don't buy something on your website, you're building a list that you can continuously market to um, using all these little you know these tricks and gimmicks to try to get people to sign up for emails 
it's just it's going to get you shut down because people are going to get tired of getting cold emails does that make sense absolutely i mean it's great advice and it's extremely practical i mean it makes a lot of sense once you think about it you know i mean if you if you even put yourself in a position like when you get a cold email you discard it you don't pay attention to it you delete it right away or whatever the case may be <laughs> so it's like yeah i mean it makes definitely makes a lot of sense i know right i probably delete 90 percent of the emails that i get you know? <laughs> absolutely so i wanted to talk a little bit about your latest um book which is ebiz scams revealed sure and uh you know i wanted to talk about the vision and the idea behind you know you you creating this book um the book is kind of a definitive it's called the the subtitle is the ultimate guide to uh, e-commerce scams for home-based business owners uh the reason i wrote the book was because i already had so many articles out there and you know blog posts and so on with pieces of this book basically pieces of information out there we really wanted to do a deep dive into it so in that book it's not just me talking about e-commerce scams i actually interviewed a lot of people um you know students that i work with other people that have emailed me uh, i got permission from them and interviewed them and heard about what happened to them in all these different scams that go on you know online you know, all the, the Amazon stuff, the website stuff, the eBay stuff, the, you know, oh, it's so easy. Just throw us your money and we'll, we'll make you rich. And they don't. Uh, some of the people that I've interviewed, there's one woman who spent over $40,000. She lost her house, had to downsize to a condo, and then she still couldn't make any money. So she had to sell the condo. And now she lives in a room that she rents in somebody else's house. Strictly because she followed all those, all that bad advice. Okay, other people lost their homes. They, they tell you, these people tell you, it's okay to take a second mortgage out of your home to give them $35,000 to get rich on Amazon because, hey, you'll make all that money back in a couple of months. But you won't. You never will. So these people take loans out of their houses. They dig into their IRAs. And we interviewed a lot of people like that, uh, told their stories. We talk about the entire process from the beginning to the end, what a scam looks like, how to recognize the scams, you know, the things to watch out for. Actually went into the Federal Trade Commission database and pulled out actual examples of uh, federal and state lawsuits against some of these people. You know, um, $20 million settlements, uh, you know, these, these scammers getting shut down. So it's a lot of factual information and it's really practical. It, it will definitely help people stay away from the things that are going to hurt them. And that's why I wanted it out there. Um, it's actually for sale on Amazon, but it's only for, honestly, mostly it's only for sale on Amazon because my publicist wanted to have a book out there on Amazon that was for sale. On my website, it's free. Okay? You don't have to buy it. You just just go to the website. It's free. But awesome. um, it's really just a guide to keep people away from, from all those rabbit holes they can fall down. Uh, and that's what's important to me. What would you say are some of the roadblocks or lessons that you've learned early on or even throughout your career as a, you know, internet entrepreneur? Uh, roadblocks, I would say 
and this may not be true of everybody, okay? But I would say every time I've worked with a business partner, I've regretted it. <laughs> that means, I, I don't know how that sounds, but it's true. <laughs> I've had a few business partners along the way and money changes people. They get greedy and then things go badly, you know? So as far as, I mean, that's just an overall kind of thing. Okay. I haven't had a lot of good luck with business partners, um, but you know, other things, I don't know. What, what are you looking for as far as, as kinds of examples here? Cause I'm not quite sure what to tell. Nah, I mean, about. I think you, I think you great. I think you gave a great example, um, you know, of just, just something or a lesson that you've learned throughout your career. And it's more so, it's more so just like a personal question. Like what have you personally seen that, um, you know, held you was a potential thing that held you back or or kind of slowed down slowed down your progress in, in any way if okay if it happened at all. Okay, okay, yeah. The things that I saw that slowed down my progress, I think were things that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. When you don't know something, learn it. Okay. Don't just don't just push ahead and think, well, you know, I can take a shortcut. Or I can, you know, this guy says it's easy, so I'll just do what he says or she says. Um, if you don't learn how to do everything you need to do in your business, don't bother. And because seriously, because too many people give over control of their businesses to people that they hire um, or people that they think they can offload stuff to. People call it um, passive income. There's no such thing as passive income. You're never just mm. going to be able to sit by your, your email box and just have money fall into it. You always have to be involved. You always have to understand what's going on in every step of your business. So every business that I've ever built, I've had to learn from people that were in the business. I've had to learn through experience, you know, and like I said earlier, man, you know, education is fine. You know, I went to college. A lot of people don't go to college. I know people who are very successful that never set foot into college. Um, education does not, does not equal, what did I say? Education doesn't equal intelligence. A lot of intelligent people have never went to school and neither of them come close to experience. So it's, it, if anything slowed me down, it was purposeful. It was taking the time to actually learn the things I needed to know to run that business before I jumped in with both feet. So any slowdowns were intentional because I was lucky enough to grow up in that business family and have all that advice right from the start. And what I'm trying to do is pass that advice on to people who didn't have that advantage early on. Absolutely. You know, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So how do you define success as an entrepreneur? I think I define it the way that my father defined it. Um, I learned from him. Basically, it's it's always do the right thing and it's it's always over deliver and always keep your promises that's what he used to say okay you know always over deliver always keep your promises and you will never have a problem in business and i think it defines success by by how much other people are helped by what you do you know it's not just about the money the money is great you know, to be able to make money, to be able to buy things for your family, your kids and such that, you know, that you want. But at the end of the day, you know, you can't take money with you. 
uh, you can leave it behind for your kids, but there's something more important that you leave behind. And that's what you've done for other people. You know, Absolutely. and it, that is just, I mean, the, the employees, you know, people I've worked with, people who've worked for me, um, people that I've been able to help that I don't even know. That is extremely, extremely important. Um, it's, it's just a feeling that you've actually done something to leave a mark on the world, you know, and other people have benefited from that. I don't know, maybe it's cheesy, but that's, you know, for me, that's, uh, that's important. What is the future of ChrisMalta.com and WorldWideBrands.com as well as your other companies? What does that look like to you? What What is that expansion or that growth or that the next, you know, 18 months look like for you? Uh, the next 18 months, it's a steady growth. Okay. It's keeping a steady growth, even through an inflationary period like this, you know, and potentially recessive period. The internet is always going to grow. It's a bell that you can't unring. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we saw the, um, oh man, what was it? Black Friday this past year, 2022, over 9 billion sales on, online in a single day, 9 billion in sales. And then um, Cyber Monday, 11 billion, just online in one day, right? This is, it grows every year, but maintaining a steady growth, not overreaching, not trying to jump too far too fast. That's what I always try to tell people. So for us, you know, it's just maintaining a steady growth. And, uh, you know, eventually, I mean, eventually I'll retire and I'll sell these businesses. Uh, and when I do that, I want those companies to be in really, really good shape. You know, I want them to be uh, well built, well put together, functioning really strongly. And uh, that's, I mean, that's what we have always done is just grow steadily, logically, keep the progression going. Don't do anything stupid. <laughs> and if we can avoid doing anything stupid, then we're in good shape. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Chris. Thank you so much for your time today, man. And thank you for sharing this valuable advice and, and these tips and, and ways to expand e-commerce businesses and online retail. So, Chris, thank you so much for your time today, man. I really enjoyed getting a chance to speak with you. No, thanks for the opportunity, Wes. I really appreciate it. It was great. Good talking with you.